A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? John and I are just giggling about school days, pretending to be sick. Uh, by the way, it's, it's just he's just fessed up to me now after all these years that I was always intrigued at how ill we were talking about families and COVID and who has it and who has it. as far as I can see, everyone has the bloody thing at this stage, or everyone is everyone has has somebody who has it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I was just mentioning to John, just yeah, it's unusual your family don't have it because you were a very sickly child. Yes, you were actually a very healthy family. Right. She said I, I was a good spoofer. You were a very good spoofer. <laughs> I hated school. I really, really hated school. And it was the thoughts of going into school. Do you know what really annoyed me was going to school? Because John lived opposite me and I'd be schlepping into school in the dark, cold, on a bicycle. And I'd look up at John's window and the <gasps> blinds would be drawn. There was no evidence. I'd be rolling over. No <laughs> I'd say, you fucker. <laughs> he was the king of the sore yeah. throat. I see a four o'clock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyway, how are you doing there? It's podcast time. Reminiscing and all that malarkey. What's the crack, John? Difficult a bit. I'm actually as stiff as a board. I've been... In a I, good way or a bad way? In, in, no, in the in, right places or the wrong uh, places? <laughs> it's your broke back mountain introduction. I, 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 uh, I was at the gym for four days in a row this week. Oh, wow. yeah, I, I hit a big time. Wow. And uh, Rippling is he oh, in man, front of me. am I feeling it. Jesus. Four nights in a row. Yeah. You know, because base camp and all. You and your buddy, I told you I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> and are you, it's are a, you, are you pumping iron? Are you work? Are you boxing? Boxing. You know, the, it's yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the box of boxing and weights and strength and conditioning days. Strength and conditioning. <laughs> That's what it is. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm well conditioned at you're, this you're stage. you're stiff as a border. Can you walk? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm all right. But I, I need to, Jesus, I need to up the game a little bit. Stop the Harry's. Give up the smokes. I will. I will, I will, I will. Sure, I have to. You have to. I have to. <laughs> You've saying that since you were roaring. I'll see you at four o'clock. I'll see you at four o'clock for a smoke. <laughs> How have you been? I'm good. I'm in great form. I'm in flying form. I'm I'm thinking about, you know, if you if you're listening to the radio, which I'm not doing a huge amount of now because it's kind of annoying me, but if you're reading around, what you will hear in Ireland is the opening salvos, distant mm. salvos of 
an election campaign. I know it sounds really weird. I know it's at least two years away. Yeah, yeah. But you can hear they're kind of positioning themselves yeah. and there's all sorts of things. And I mean, so I'm looking at this and what's fascinating for me is that if you were reading or listening or following the commentariat, you'd get this perception that the coming battle in Ireland, the next election, mm. and therefore the way in which politics and economics is lining up, is a kind of a pretty much a straightforward left versus right. It's an yeah. ideological battle. Sinn Féin are saying, we're going to go left. Fine Gael are saying, we're going to go right. And all the various other satellite parties. It's weird to say that they're satellite parties, but they kind of are now intellectually. Satellite parties of those two big parties yeah. are kind of aligning themselves in the shadow of that particular frame. And then I thought to myself, is that the way it's going to be? So the battle lines are drawn. Look, there's two types of Irish people. There are workers, people who depend on wages for their income. Mm -hmm. So their labour for their income. And there are capitalists, people who depend on rents, dividends, or asset price inflation yeah. for their income, right? Yeah, yeah. So in parenthesis, this is the way in which certain parties are trying to frame this election. And I'm thinking, is that actually a fairly good and accurate picture of the society? Or is the society a little bit different? I mean, is the society one bunch of workers, one bunch of capitalists, and always and every time their interests are aggressively in contradiction with each other. Yeah. So yeah, if the yeah, workers yeah. win, the capitalists lose, and the capitalists win, the workers lose. Because if you're listening, particularly when, when people get a little bit more shrill about these things, that's the way it's portrayed. And then if you actually look at the data for Ireland, the dirty little secret is that most Irish people are capitalists sometimes and workers other times, and they're both the same person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the, so there's no kind of hard left. Or uh, hard right. Or hard right, or it's it's kind of pastel kind of red. It's, it's pastel, oh, I love that. It's kind it, of pastel, yeah. It's just, and a pastel blue there on the other it's side. It's all pastel. It's yeah. all pastel. No, but look, if you, if you look at this idea, you know, so for example, most Irish people, as I said, own their own home, right? Yeah. 70% of Irish people own their home. I'm going to give you some statistics about home ownership oh, yeah? in the do, pandemic. Do. Pandemic. The pandemic later on. <laughs> the pandemic. The pandemic. Exactly. But most Irish people own their own home. So that means that most Irish people, whether we like it or not, have a vested interest in rising asset prices. Sure. Yet those same Irish people go out to work. So they're workers as well. So you right. think that's one thing. Most Irish people have a pension. 60% of Irish people have a pension in the private sector, right? 40% in the public sector, and everybody has a state pension. Now you think, where does the income from those pensions come from? Mm. And the income comes from investment funds, whether it's the state via the NTMA investing or yeah. whether it's the private sector. And what are they buying? They're buying companies. And what are those companies trading on? They're trading on profits. So ultimately, everybody who has a pension is also a worker and a capitalist. So again, this idea that we will have a system that attacks corporations simply to reflect the interests of workers is an entirely fictitious and fallacious way of looking at things because not only do people own their own houses and mm -hmm. they want increases yeah. in house prices, they have their own pensions and they're all linked to the flow of income that is profit. So what I'm saying is it's all 
really, really mixed up, you know? Do you know, it, this takes me back to when you mentioned about the the bondholders. Oh, in the, in the pensions, yeah, because pensions would be bonds and they'd be yes, stocks. Yeah, yeah, and be, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it takes me back to the great crash of 2008 when when the, the rallying cry was always, burn the bondholders. But of course, that was burning our own pensions, really. Actually, in this instance, it wasn't. I, I take your point that in general, if you're going to attack bondholders, so bondholders are only, it's a really, it's a makey-uppy word for people who lend money, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So if you take a bank, right? The weirdest thing about the burn the bondholders was the Irish banks had gone bust. So the people who actually lent to them, the bondholders, had also, in most cases, the people I spoke to in London at the time and New York, they'd all assumed that they wouldn't get paid. These were big institutions. Yeah, they said, oh, well, you know, because the thing about investing, and this is where our Bitcoiners don't seem to understand things, you get things right, you get things wrong. It's not, it's not a cult. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a belief system. Yeah. You know, what you hear is when you hear people bragging about how well they've done in housing or whatever, they never tell you how shite they've done elsewhere. Everyone loses. I mean, that's the whole idea is you lose, you win, and you hope to God yeah. you win a little bit more than you lose. That, that's that's the yeah. way, right? Now, this idea, and the bondholders were people who lent money. So basically what happened to the Irish banks is the following. The Irish banks ran out of deposits, very briefly, ran out of deposits yeah. in 2003, okay. right? So they were lending so much money that they couldn't get in enough money to lend more. Right. So they ran out of our deposits. They said, oh, shite, where are we going to get money? We'll, we'll issue IOUs to the rest of the world, right? Yeah. So Anglo-Irish banks, this is actually what happened, know, right? So they, go out, so they go out and all these people, so Anglo-Irish banks go out and they say, we'll give you a 6% coupon, i.e. 6% rate of interest if you give us $100 million. Mm. And we'll give you a little piece of paper so we owe you money. Mm. So therefore now you're a bondholder, right? right. Yeah, That's yeah. a bondholder, right? Those people lent money to Anglo-Irish banks. They had all walked away from the table. And the idea was then we had an opportunity over a two or three year period to begin the process of dissecting who should we pay back and who will we not pay back, right? Mm. And in terms of bank, I don't want to go over this, it's very, very, it's, it's old news, but I think there's, it, this is all about the different level of creditors who get paid back in the event of a bankruptcy, which is a very old part of corporate law, mm. very, very old part of economics and finance, right? In a bank, you probably should have, people don't realise when you deposit money in a bank, you're actually lending to a highly leveraged, unstable organisation, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that you wouldn't doing. normally if you actually thought about yeah, it. Yeah, but you don't think about it. So, <laughs> yeah. so people think, oh, it's my nest egg. I'll put it in there. It's safe. No, yeah. it's not. You're lending to a highly leveraged, unbelievably badly managed, <laughs> speculative organisation, yeah. which was the Irish banking system, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think in law, what we could do is have something called trust creditors. So there's creditors in trust who actually entrust their deposits to an institution, like your mother and my mother, right? Mm. Okay, who've no idea that they're lending. When they're putting money in, in the bank, no idea where I'm lending money yeah, yeah. to AIB, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you have bondholders who are professional investors. So the burn the bondholders was an interesting rallying cry because it basically says these guys already expected to have been burnt, yes. right? But we, the Irish government, is now going to pay them back. Now, the question is, why? And I think it's because we were run by lawyers at the time. Oh. So lawyers are obsessed with the sanctity of contract. Okay? Okay. Now... Explain that. Well, well basically, if you're a lawyer, your, your entire thing is the contract is sacrosanct, right? But as an economist or as a financier, you're thinking the contract is only sacrosanct if there is income 
underline the contract yeah. to pay it back. If it's practical. If it's practical. Yeah. And if, you know, events, you know, as Keynes said, you know, when the when events change, I change my opinion. What do you do, sir? Right? So you're in a situation where a contract that was signed in 2004 or five yeah. to be redeemed in 2010 has no validity when the income in 2005 is 100 and the income in 2010 is zero. So what I'm saying is the, the elixir of contract law is healthy economics. Yeah. If you don't have healthy economics. So if you are in a monumental downturn where everyone's bust, the contract's null and void. And the world believes that also the interesting thing is if by paying back your balance sheet is made worse, not better, then you're always better off doing a deal with creditors. I'm just going to ask you a completely side question, but based on your point there, yeah. in the Brexit negotiations, yeah. and they came to the agreement yeah. and more or less signed the contract, I was just wondering, can you, can you use that same logic? No, but- no in, a, in a bankruptcy, what actually happens is creditors line up. Do you remember when we used to play football? Yes. On the road. Yes. And everyone would line up and the best players would be picked first, right? Yeah. I was always the last. <laughs> always going the goals, last. Going yeah. goals. Right? Yeah. So, so there was always like, there was a hierarchy. I was, I was usually given to a team along with a couple of chalk ices. <laughs> it's not actually untrue. But there was a hierarchy of players, right? Mm. Imagine a bankruptcy is the same. There's a hierarchy of creditors. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. every creditor has to accept what they call a haircut, Right. And that's the way in which bankruptcies work. And then you start again. Mm. You can do lots of, you can have debt for equity swaps. You can do all sorts of different things. But at the end of the day, the creditor who actually lends to a company goes bust needs to pay. Yeah. That's capitalism. It's a bit like Catholicism. Catholicism without hell doesn't work. Because then it's not Catholicism, right? We're full of it this morning. But they they get rid of purgatory quite recently. They're in limbo. And limbo. No, I don't think, I think purgatory's still knocking around. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm not too sure. Limbo's gone. Yeah. So there's a bit of a stick there. Limbo, I think purgatory, yeah, well, we could go back to Dante. Purgatory. (laughs) No, no, let's move on. Purgatorio. Let's move on. (laughs) Abandon all hope, all ye who enter here. That should be the... Watchword for this podcast. Anyway, I, let's come back to Ireland. Yes, please. Come back to Ireland. <laughs> please, right? please, please. So my point is that if you look at the way the economy is structured, so for example, again, people are saying left versus right, but we forget that the vast, vast majority of Irish businesses are micro businesses, are small business, the SME sector, mm. right? So. We're talking there's 350,000 Irish people are self-employed. That means they're workers and capitalists at the same time. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then in the small business sector, which you and I have worked in, you know, for, for the last, yeah. whatever, nearly two decades, most companies are what they call micro companies or SMEs. That's 98% of companies. And they're defined by companies that have fewer than 50 employees, Right. But there are over 270,000 of these companies. So what you see is a huge amount of Irish people are involved in the market economy and probably involved in the state economy at the same time. If you look at most Irish families, you'll have some in the public sector, some in the private sector. That's the way things work. You know, there's no great division. But also, if you look at, John, one of the biggest and most interesting statistics in the last two weeks has been the huge increase in corporation tax. 
Yes. And it kind of came out of the blue. It's it's really fascinating. Last year, Ireland raised 15.3 billion euros in corporation tax. That is twice the amount we raised in 2017. Yeah. So in four years, it's doubled, right? Now, this is an extraordinary figure. And 70% of this tax comes from large multinationals. The large multinationals at the left wing say are awful and tax cheating and they're mm, they're terrible mm. and they besmirch us and whatever. Yeah. But they're paying tax. And that tax is equivalent to more than 3,000 euros per head of population for man, woman and child here. 3,000 euros per head every year is being paid for every it's single phenomenal. citizen. Yeah. Right? Ireland has got twice as much corporation tax per head as the next highest country in terms of corporation tax in Europe, which is Luxembourg. So what we're having is, so again, what I say is, if you take the left-wing argument, you say, oh, multinationals are all wrong. Then you say, well, okay, but are you happy to forego this huge tax? And and as I argued- Which will pay for our pensions. Which will pay for everything. It'll pay for our roads. It'll pay for our COVID payments. It'll pay for everything, right? As I argued, remember a few months ago, Ireland has nothing to fear about this increase in corporation tax. In fact, we'll get more money by going to 15. Because yeah. you know the way this idea of, is there life after 12 and a half, right? Yeah. And this this idea, <laughs> and then there's all people say, oh, they'll all pull out, blah, blah, blah. And remember I was saying about six months, no, they won't. They'll keep going. We'll actually make more money. And then the question is, not just ideologically, the question is, is this permanent? Are we seeing but, some change? Because the the general view has always been in Ireland that one day we will wake up and the multinationals will have left and we'll have no domestic industry. Yeah. Do you know, that's a view. Yeah. That's always... Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, is this a spike? Because it is such a massive jump that it took us by surprise. Mm. A very pleasant, happy surprise. It's very happy waking up in the morning with more money in your pocket than you when you went yeah. home after night in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd be into one. What's that kid up to last exactly. night? Yeah, 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 yeah. What was the? What was I paid for? <laughs> and that, for men of our age, would demand many hours of reflection and solitude in the back garden, talking only to the domestic animals in the house, right? To what As was, you have the jitters. Yeah, but there is an argument, and I think we'll have a podcast on it in a little while which may say that, is this permanent? Are we seeing a change in the structure of our economy as we move to an exporter of digital services, which means that the tax revenue rises dramatically because we happen to be in the right place at the right time? Yep. But be that as may, you know when people say, oh, you have to discount multinationals in Ireland when you're talking about GDP. No, you don't. The money is real. It's real tax revenue. Yeah. It comes into real pockets. It creates real infrastructure. It builds real hospitals. It builds real schools. It builds real roads. It's real, yes. right? Yes. It's not yeah. fictitious. This idea of leprechaun economics is all very interesting. It sounds great. It's a Krugman. Yeah, but the suggestion is that the money isn't real. Yeah. So it's real. It's in somebody's pocket. Therefore, it's real. So I, I think there's something very interesting. But to come back to our intellectual argument, it means that standing and saying corporations are bad and we're going to be a left-wing country, you need, therefore, to factor in where are we going to get all this extra money? And if it's an ideologically 
problematic area, that's fine if that's what you want, but what are you going to replace it with? Yeah. And I'm not seeing anything over the horizon. There's no cavalry coming over the horizon saying we're going to save you. This is our economic model, and we just have to accept that it's been extremely positive. Is there any tr true left-wing country left in the world? Our true right-wing country, that's the interesting thing. You I know, think there's plenty of right-wingers. Not really, though. Like, there's the, you know, the kind of Fox News right-wing, which says that, you know... If yeah, but the Hungries and the, of this but world... But Hungary's a left-wing country. They're, I mean, they've, they've right-wing cultural policies are they have very, very anti-progressive yeah. cultural policies. But most of Central Europe still has enormous legacies, thankfully, from yeah. the Soviet system. So they have free education, they have free healthcare. You know, so these are these are so the idea that there are these right-wing countries that are freedmanite right, entirely mm. driven by the market, they don't exist. Maybe Chile. Chile is one country that probably oh, really? went down. Yeah, Chile went down the Chicago school route after Pinochet came in mm. and was an extremely, in comparison to other Latin American countries, was extremely right-wing, as we would describe in economic terms. So privatised everything, privatised health insurance, privatised yeah. health, privatised yeah. everything. Now they have the most left-wing president in Latin America, yeah. who happens to be a Croat, by the way. Happens to be the Chilean Croats. He's 34 years old. He wow. was the head of the student rebellion. They had a very extraordinary rebellion you know, in Chile a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's now that was the, due to rising prices. Right, so. Rising ticket prices on the metro. Yeah. That's what sparked it, right? Yeah. But he is now... So Chile used to be very right-wing. It's now gone very left-wing. So my point is that the economy is like us. It's messy. It's kind yeah. of shape-shifting. It's inconsistent. It's like life. Life is messy. Yeah. And the idea that somebody comes in and tries to superimpose a right-wing clean-line view or a left-wing clean-line view, in my opinion, isn't really grasping what happens. And this, of course, is hugely important, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, Mark. So, two years' time, we're heading for an election. Yeah, yeah. So, give us a rundown. What, what will the, the, the kind of the state of play be, do you reckon? Well, you see what I'm... How are we going to distinguish, you know, between the parties? Well, what, yeah, what I'm saying is Kevin Cunningham a couple of weeks ago, our pollster 
Yes. Very good. Said, look, there's no point asking people questions about politics and who they're going to vote for until people's heads are in the election space. Yes, that's right. right? And what he was saying is that, you know, then lots and lots of extreme positions or rather radical positions will be will merge into some sort of central consensus. Yeah. And what I'm saying is he's right in terms of people's heads, but the forces that are propelling people into the center are these forces. The people are neither workers nor capitalists. They're a little mix of all. Mm. So if you think, for example, 70% of Irish people own their own home, that'll be a huge issue. Only 50% of Germans own their home, own home which means that already you have a totally different cohort of population interested in home ownership and yeah. assets and all that sort of yeah. stuff, right? If you if you look at, for example, the middle of the middle class in Ireland, right? So if you take what statisticians call the deciles, right, the various different tenths of the population, mm. if you take the fourth to seventh decile of our population, right, which is basically the people more or less in the middle, yeah. what you see in terms of wealth, is that 73% of their wealth comes from housing. So again, parties are going to be extremely careful. This is why Sinn Féin won't introduce a property tax. So they're right. a left-wing party. Which would be the obvious which thing Which is the to obvious do. thing yeah. to do because they're afraid of these people. They're yeah. afraid of alienating these people. You know, So in a way, unless you're really radical and revolutionary, and our economic and political system doesn't lend itself to that. Mm. What you'll find is when the Shinners sit down, they'll be really cognizant of these figures. So they'll be looking at figures like this in about a year's time and saying, okay, we're a left-wing party. We should be increasing property tax because property tax is really fair because it actually taxes the most unproductive asset, Mm. property. It hits rich people most because rich people have most property. Poor people don't have property, so they won't get taxed. Yeah. So it should be a really simple no-brainer. But what comes into the equation is those people between the fourth and seventh decile, which Sinn Féin needs to get, and they are the people that more than 70% of their wealth comes from their property. So Sinn Féin yeah. backs away from that. And this is what I'm saying. It's weird, it's messy, it's kind of promiscuous. There's nothing pure about, about the economy. You know? I'll give you another statistic, right? Which again is interesting. Fine Gael say they're the party of business. Yeah. But when you look at the figures, 33% of Fine Gael voters are business owners. Okay. Do you know what the next highest proportion of business owners as a percentage of their electorate are? Tell me. Sinn Féin. The left-wing party. Right, okay. So small business votes Sinn Féin as well, Right. Interesting as well, on education, you'd always think that the more educated voter is a richer voter, will vote more for the status quo or the right of the status quo because they've got more goodies, right? Mm. And again, you look at it, the party with the highest proportion of third level graduates voting for them is Fine Gael, right? Yeah, yeah. At 25%. But the next highest is Sinn Féin. At 21%. Because that's all the, the young graduates. It's the younger graduates, right? And of course, the interesting thing is the party with the least graduates voting for them is Fianna Fáil. Right. So Fianna okay. Fáil have the least educated cohort 
voting for them. And yet that was the party of Charlie Hawhey, of business, of developers, yeah. of the bankers, of everything. So my point is that Ireland is, even when you look at Ireland as a small country, it's so completely mixed up. And therefore that very lack of clarity feeds into... The what, rules don't apply. The rules don't apply. It's actually, as I was telling you years ago, when we were... Uh, the, the Americans, the IMF, this thing called uh, Article 4. And yeah. Article 4 is an IMF document that every year the IMF come to every country that's a member of the IMF and write up a report about the country. Right. right? And it's a bit like the Mormons coming, right? Remember yeah, the Mormons yeah, yeah. when we were kids? They'd knock, they'd, these Americans would be buzz yeah, cuts yeah. and whatever. Yeah, right? they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so what would happen was when I was in the central bank years ago, like taking notes of these meetings, and the IMF arrived in. And it was a bit like, it, it was like the adults coming into the room, right? It was yeah. like, oh my God, put away the toys, <laughs> right? And so Christmas tests. Exactly. It was like Christmas <laughs> tests. Exactly. And the two IMF guys came in and they're two Yanks, right? And they're going through all sorts of anomalies in the Irish economy, mm-hmm. right? Because, for example, the Irish, the, the Irish government was saying there's no tax evasion here. Yeah. This is the early 90s, oh, right? Really? <laughs> and yet... They said there's no tax evasion, yet they gave a tax amnesty and they got more money in than they'd ever fucking believed. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really fun. And the two lads there are going to... So, yeah, the two Yanks are the, saying... With the buzz cuts. With the buzz cuts. What, what the so hell? you've got no tax evasion and yet when you actually give an amnesty, you get more money in than you ever imagined. <laughs> right? It was like, it was like watching Narcos or something. It was like watching Pablo Escobar negotiating. Gavrilla, right? And uh, one of the economists, uh, the two Yanks are there taking notes and I'm basically <laughs> taking notes of notes, right? Yeah. And one of the older economists said to the two Yanks, said, uh, gentlemen, i just like to explain one thing to you. The rules of economics stop in Hollyhead. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great one. Uh, but so if you think of it, right, the rules of politics, right, are all mixed. There, there is, an, is an economic insight. There is an insight into the running of this country, right? But if you think about it, and this is where we land, all the political parties are now staking out their purest position today. Mm. Like, we're left-wing, we're right-wing, we're this-wing, we're that-wing. As their backroom staff begin to crunch the numbers, we're doing them a favour, actually. You should, you should listen to the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, by the way, we've done you a favour. Yeah. Shinners, Fiend Fall, Fina Gale, just listen to transcripts us. Will transcripts be, yeah. will be available at the end of class. Exactly, as we said. Notes of notes will be available at the end of class. All of them will begin to look at these numbers and realise that in a PR system where every vote counts and transfers and preferences count, yeah. People vote in a highly sophisticated and self-interested manner. Self-interested being the real key here. And therefore, parties, commentators, would-be advocates who would prefer the cleanliness of a left-right split are going to have to deal with the fact that the data show that Irish people can be capitalists at 10 past 12 and by quarter to one can be Marxists. And that's the story. You know, another added messiness and complication to it is our PR uh, system. system. Well, then we, we vote in preferences. Yeah, I know. But then, you know, on the ballot paper, you have 10 preferences. And people tend to use up all 10. Yeah. Which makes it even more complicated and diluted in many ways. It makes it diluted, but I think we 
suffer from living in the shadow of the UK. And we believe that in some way our system is an oddity and their system, the first-past-the-post system, yeah. is normal. They're the only country in the world with first-past-the-post. Yeah. Only country in the world with that profoundly unsophisticated... No, but uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not dissing the so, PR system. So, just... I, yeah, but, yeah, the, so you, but you're right. It makes it really tricky. It, makes, it, it means that politicians at election time have to be hyper-cognizant of a variety of things. Now, the problem, and you've identified this, is right, it makes it very hard to govern. Yes. Because if you want to govern and say, okay, so for example, take for example, housing, right? You think we want to build 40,000 new houses. We want to build them in cities. We want to build it like a European country. Then you have all these nimbyists, right? Mm. Say, not not here, not in my yeah, backyard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We're yeah. nimbyists, as we know. Yes, in our yeah. backyard, right? Yeah. But nimbyists, and they form little coalitions and those little coalitions can garner lots of people. And then at election time, if you take someone like even, you know, our former Taoiseach, soon to be Taoiseach, again, Leo yeah. Varadkar, only got elected on the fifth count. But th- th- this is kind of what I was so, getting at, so yeah. So a, a, a well-organised residence committee in Castle Knock can <laughs> actually be the difference between him strutting around at European meetings or him... Looking for a job in a PR company. Just before you go, I just want to take this opportunity to thank you all so much, genuinely, for your generosity in giving us a little bit of your time each week while we have a bit of crack and talk about all sorts of good stuff. And I especially want to thank all our Patreons who make all this possible. And if you want to join us on Patreon, there's loads of extras. Not only ad-free episodes, but Macker has also put together two economics courses complete with reading lists, notes, and all sorts of good stuff. So join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dave Mac Williams. Thanks again. Chat to you soon.